We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Thank you. Six weeks ago, I felt as I was preparing for this preach, God told me to preach upon persevering through storms with the God of the impossible. Six weeks ago, I wasn't sure why that message was what I was supposed to be sharing. But now with this coronavirus and this pandemic that we're all facing, it's become clear that God has been preparing us for such a time as this. Now, as we persevere through storms, with that God of the impossible, there are three things that I'm going to focus on. How God sees us, how we see God, and the things that we can't see. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verse 35 on, Jesus calming the storm, and then also Mark 5. So feel free to follow along in your Bible, but I'm going to read the first part. Now before I read that verse, just a little context. Jesus was exhausted from ministering to the people. He was ministering all day, healing and preaching the word of God. And then he said to his disciples that we should go to the other end of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's covered by, it has a peak on the right, on the east, and a peak on the west. And the warm wind from the desert comes over from the, from the east, and the cold wind from the, the ocean comes in from the west. And as it mixes, it can cause storms. Now that may be how storms happen, but it's not necessarily why they happen. So we should keep that in mind. And he is being, he's traveling with professional fishermen, the disciples, who made their living in the Sea of Galilee. And they were heading towards an area called the Decapolis. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? That whole conversation back and forth was four questions. There's no answers. They were just questioning each other. The disciples said, teacher, do you, do you care that we are perishing? Basically what they were saying is, do you even care about us? Jesus said, why are you so afraid? Have you so little faith? You see, they had been traveling together for over a year, spending time with one another. Before this, Jesus met a centurion who had just met him. And the centurion would ask him that, uh, to heal a servant who was paralyzed and, and, and suffering. And Jesus said, yeah, I'll go with you. Let's go and let's heal him. And the centurion said, no, I know who you are. I'm not worthy to receive you in my home. But you can say the word and he can be healed. And Jesus marveled at his faith, and the, the servant was healed. But yet the disciples who had been with him for over a year didn't know that he could do that. 
they still wondered if he even cared about them. And as we're going through storms, we realize that one of the deep questions that we ask is how does God see us? Does God really care about us through the storms, through this pandemic storm that we're in right now? But God may ask, how do we see him? Why are we so afraid? Is he a God who can calm this storm? The disciples in the fourth question asked themselves, who is this who can calm storms? Acknowledging that they didn't really know. During this coronavirus pandemic, it's been a challenge for me. I'm a physician working on the front line, seeing patients who have the coronavirus. The good news is we're doing this preach online, so you can stay more than six feet away from me. But I've had to ask myself, I, I grew up for years embracing a faith in Jesus Christ. I've told myself that I know how strong and how mighty he is. I, I tell myself that I know that he loves me. But when these storms happen, it reveals those things in, in our hearts. And I've asked myself, God, do you, do you care about me enough to protect me in this storm? Do you care about people enough to protect them, the vulnerable in our midst, the people who are highest risk? God, are you a God who can calm this storm, who can bring inspiration, innovation, treatments, protection, and rebuke this storm? I've also asked myself, where did this storm come from? You see, we may look at this storm and say, okay, this was just an act of science. But science answers a different, different question as faith. We know the science of the winds coming together, and it can tell us the how the storm happened, but it doesn't tell us the why. It doesn't tell us why that storm happened. But Jesus' response does tell us. He stood up immediately, and he didn't rebuke science. He stood up and he rebuked the wind, and he told the sea to be calm. You see, that word rebuke is used in other, way, in other places in Mark. The first place it's used is in Mark 1, where Jesus starts his ministry, and he rebukes a demon in a man in the synagogue. Every time Jesus uses the word rebuke, it's to rebuke demons and a demonic force. There's something that maybe we're not seeing in this, that we couldn't perceive, but Jesus perceived it. He saw that behind the storm, behind the wind, was a force that sought to bring them destruction, sought to resist them from going to this, this place. But we have to ask yourself, where is he going? Well, he's going to this area called the Decapolis. It's the first time he goes to this as he starts his ministry. It's an area of 10 Greek cities, primarily Gentile cities, where they worshiped Greek gods, Roman gods, and there was a cult of worship of the Roman emperor. It was filled with idols. And as this group of Jews goes into this Gentile area and is bringing the good news of Jesus, of God's love and salvation for his people, there was resistance that came. But God rebuked that. And as they land, they meet a man, the man of the Gerasenes. And all of those questions that they had before were answered by this man. You see, the, the questions that, that so plagued the disciples, do you care about us? Who are you that can calm the storm in the sea? 
this demonized man gave them the answers. He saw Jesus from afar, and he ran coming to him and bowed down before him. And he said, Jesus, son of the Most High, have you come to torment me? And he implored to Jesus based on God. He said, by God, please have mercy on me and don't send me off away from this this country. You see, those demons wanted to stay in that area, in that region. And they knew immediately who Jesus was, and they implored and begged Jesus, not based on Satan, not based on the person they were serving, but based on the kindness of God. That even though they were serving a different kingdom, they still were convinced about how kind and compassionate God was. They knew the character of God, the questions that we can struggle with. You may say, and the way we know that it was demons that Jesus was talking to is because Jesus asked them, who are you? And he probably asked them for our benefit because we should never be talking to demons. I would never recommend anyone doing that at home. But as Jesus says, who are you? They say, we are legion. A Roman legion was a thousand. And so there was at least a thousand demons in this man. You see, the demons took over control of this man. They tormented him. He lived amongst the tombs. He was naked, filled with shame. He was ostracized. He was lonely, away from everybody. He would destroy himself. There were demons of destruction. that would, He would be cutting himself, as are described in the Gospels. He was violent. People were afraid to go there because of his violence. They would try to bind him, and he would break those bonds, and he could not be restrained. And he was by pigs. See, pigs don't, they can't live on grass alone. They must have been eating something else. It was likely that there was a landfill right there. In fact, the oldest discovered landfill in the world was right on the Sea of Galilee. So here's a man living amongst the tombs, living amongst the filth of people. Maybe that's what he had to eat, is the garbage of everyone else, tormented, alone. And Jesus comes to him. And he frees him. He deals with something above what we can't see, and he restores this man. And he casts out these demons into the pigs, and these 2,000 pigs run into the sea and drown themselves. The pigs' herdsmen were so terrified that they ran, and they brought other people from the nearby cities in the Decapolis. And they came and they, they pleaded with Jesus after seeing the same man who was naked, ashamed, alone, violent, seeing him clothed and in his right mind. And they were filled with fear and they begged Jesus, please leave. Where did that man get those clothes from? But the disciples. They clothed him. They met with him. They told him about God's love, great love for him. And when he saw how much God loved him and how much God had done for him, he begged Jesus, please let me come with you. Let me leave everything and come with you. Jesus said, no, go to your family, go to your friends, and tell them about all God has done for you. And he went from a maniac to become a missionary. And he, it, the Bible says he went throughout the Decapolis, sharing about the good news of Jesus Christ. But Jesus honored their wishes, and he left that place. But that's not where the story ended. You would think that all Jesus did was free one person. But we see from Matthew 4, verse 25 and on, that later great multitudes came and followed Jesus, and they came from the Decapolis. 
You see later that Jesus went to the same area and they brought the sick and he healed people's hearing and he healed people. And faith grew within the same region. This region that was completely closed, this region that was worshiping idols, this region that was under spiritual oppression, God sorted that out and God, with that little spark, fanned it into a great flame where multitudes were saved, healed, and delivered. Maybe you feel like the man from the Gerasene, isolated, alone, feeling hopeless. Well, the God of the impossible can deliver you from that time, from your struggle, can deliver us together from this pandemic, which is keeping us in our homes, bring us back together in the church, in our work, with our families. Maybe you're feeling like the disciples, afraid and wondering if God cares about you. The God of the impossible can increase your faith and mine to know how he sees you, how he sees me, and help us to see him as the God who quiets the storm and delivers us through that time. You see, God didn't bring that storm to the disciples. Jesus was sleeping. He didn't bring the storm. And Jesus would never rebuke something that God did. Maybe you're struggling now to wonder why God brought this coronavirus pandemic to us. God didn't bring it. But God is going to redeem the plans of the enemy. He is going to bring us even closer together through this. He is going to bring all things for the good of those who love him. But there's more that we can do together as a faith community. You see, in Daniel 10, we have a game plan in terms of how we can deal with things that are beyond what we see, that deal with things that beyond our understanding. Daniel was so overcome by um, mourning for his people that he started fasting and praying. And as he started fasting and praying, an angel of the Lord was sent and said that he, as soon as he started fasting and praying, that he was sent by God. But he was delayed by a prince of Persia a prince that Daniel couldn't see. And he explained to Daniel how that Michael came and was delivering that whole region from that prince, that principality of Persia. And we see we have the benefit of history to know what happened next. The Persian empire that was propped up by that prince of Persia, that principality, collapsed once that principality had to move. And then a different kingdom came in. Kings will come and go, but God is the one who ordains it all. And then... The angel said, and then the prince of Greece is coming. And we know that after that, Alexander the Great came through that area and marched through. You see, we can think that history is made by men and women, but we realize that there are spiritual forces above our perception, above our understanding. But the hope in all of that is that Daniel triggered a great change in the principalities by his heart, by his prayers, by his, his fasting. So right now, as your faith is growing, as we see God in a new way, in a new way of loving us and able to calm these storms, let's come together fast and pray that this coronavirus pandemic would cease, that he would rebuke the storm and he would create all of this and he would say to all of us, be calm and still. Let's be praying together. If I can just end us in a time of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you, Father, that you love us, that you care about us, and that you are the God who calms storms and can deliver us from evil.
Lord, we pray, Father, that you would increase our faith in this time, that you'd help us to truly see you as how you are, see us ourselves as how you see us, and partner with heaven, partner with the God of heaven and earth to be a part of rebuking this pandemic and being a part of uh, the deliverance of, of this world. We thank you that you love us, and we proclaim that we love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us, anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.